Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Uh, my guest today is singer, songwriter, guitarist, and Harry Styles collaborator Mitch Rowland, who spoke to me about his spark, Charles Mingus's jazz album classic, The Clown. It is not often that I get to chat to a guest about jazz, so this was a nice little change of pace. And we like nice little changes of pace around here, don't we? So let's get to it! Quick Mitch facts. Mitch Rowland is an American songwriter and multi-instrumentalist, best known for his work as a touring guitarist and for co-writing songs on all three of Harry Styles' solo albums. Watermelon Sugar, a song he co-wrote with Styles, Tyler Johnson, and Thomas Hull, was nominated for and won Best Pop Solo Performance at the 63rd Annual Grammy Awards in 2021. Roland also won the Brit Award for Song of the Year for Watermelon Sugar at the 2021 Brit Awards. Roland's debut album, Come June, was released October 6, 2023, via Giant Records and Erskine Records, and it was the first record released on the Erskine Records imprint from an act other than Harry Styles. You can listen to Come June right now, wherever you listen to music. Quick Clown Facts The Clown is an album by jazz musician Charles Mingus, released in September 1957 on Atlantic Records. It is a follow-up to 1956's Pithecanthropus Erectus and features the improvised narration of Gene Shepard. The Clown introduced two of Mingus's best-regarded compositions in the Driving Determined Haitian Fight Song and the 40s-flavored Reincarnation of a Lovebird. Mingus would return to both throughout his career. And there you have it. Time for the main event. Here comes my chat with Mitch Rowland about The Clown. Do you remember hearing The Clown for the first time, being turned on to it, any of that stuff? First time I heard The Clown was on this um, restaurant I used to work at. I worked in the back and this particular person, co-worker, worked up in the front cooking pizzas and he would leave his iPod in the back, uh, like some old iPod that was kind of like a jazz encyclopedia in a way. And like, uh, I just became obsessed with it and it would completely take me out of my zone and put me somewhere else. And I would listen to it at least twice in an evening. I don't, I don't know for how long, probably for like the rest of the time that I worked there. But um, yeah, it's a kind of a vivid memory still. Yeah. Were, were you like a, were you a jazz guy before that? Not really a jazz guy, but more of a jazz fan, I guess. Um, Kind of grew up with my, my brother always kind of showing me this and that kind of started with Duke Ellington and then, and then yeah, 
worked our way around from there growing up. Yeah. And it feels like uh, Duke Ellington is kind of a natural lead in to Mingus. You know, he was one of Mingus's heroes. They worked together a little bit, all that. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. It's such a, um, it's such a distinct piece of music, collection of pieces of music. And it says so much about who he was as an artist, how he expressed himself, but also just like the thing that really strikes me is as a bassist, a bass is not necessarily the first instrument that you think of as like something that creates melody, is the thing that tells the story, is the thing that is out in front. And it is. It's like he he uses it in a way that I think is very particular to him. And yeah, I just I, I find it fascinating. It's like it, it's so unusual. I mean, did, was that uh, something that stood out to you at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I've always admired Mingus for many reasons, but, you know, I think I relate to him on the level of maybe he's not known as like, well, I don't know who's known as the best bass player anyway, but um, he's known for his compositions. And he's known for being a writer, most of all, I think. So I kind of, you know, I'm a self-taught guitar player. I took me a really long time. I think I must have had to get a paycheck in order to start considering myself one the, the upright bass is maybe my favorite instrument and i can't i can't and won't try to play it <laughs> um but when i made this record it was you know one of the first things i knew that i wanted to have on it i knew that these songs i was making should definitely have upright weaving its way through them and funny to say that about mingus being so out front I think Matt Schussler's playing on this record is the same. And we kind of joked uh, about you know his bass playing being lead bass because it adds so much more to the music. So yeah, melodies can be written on bass. Yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, I, I'm thinking in particular of uh, Haitian Fight Song as a way to start an album when it's this like whatever 12, 13 minute song. And it goes back and forth between these like really percussive bass solos and very like kind of swingy uh jazz and that to me again it's it, it is like even if you don't know what the inspiration is even if you don't know what he's trying to talk about or haven't even heard the title of the song it still feels like something that's alive it's like moving through different phases and yeah every time i put that record on which was very often and oftentimes like i said i sometimes i just put it right back on as soon as it would end it was like my ears could see i don't know what they were seeing but i it was almost like you know i would have a slab of pizza dough in front of me almost like uh rising itself off the table over at the edge and i you know i, I remember you know when i would start cutting dough when i take it out of the mixer and put it on the table and flour the table blah 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 and I would put that so I put that album on. It's almost like you know, okay, I'm ten minutes in. Uh, it was like, however much progress I made chopping the dough and getting through the whole thing, I was always at a certain part of the record every time I was you know halfway through. It was just a very uh, consistent thing, like like extreme routine. <laughs> but uh, the 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 thing about it that grabbed me as much as the music was the narration. Mm. It, it just seemed very, I, I couldn't believe it was made in 57 when I found out. It just seemed like such a progressive sort of way to make an album. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it goes all the way back to, you know, I think it came out in January 57 or something. 
but I think I read somewhere along the line, Gene Shepard, I think he kind of, he made Mingus's, uh, you know, this clown was, it's almost like an intro to showbiz, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every, every unfortunate thing that happened to the clown on stage, the crowd, that's what got the biggest reaction out of them. They thought it was part of the act, but it was actually the clown set just not going the way it was supposed to go. And then Mingus, I think his idea of the ending was you know, the clown shot himself in the head. Right. Right. And Gene Shepard changed. I think he made it a bit more open-ended. Um, but you know, clown blows his brains out. Crowd goes wild because they think, Oh, that's the next bit. Right. The whole thing, every time I just very, very inspiring piece of music. Yeah. I haven't listened to it. I listened to it like it's been a while and yeah, holds up pretty well obviously. Yeah. Gene, Gene, uh, Shepard is a, a fascinating guy as well. And the, the Mingus in inviting him, like wanting to have him narrate the clown, which again is another like, you know, 12 minute epic piece. And Gene Shepard was like a radio personality, but also kind of a beat poet and was a really improvisational, uh, performer. And I think, you know, the story uh, the outline of the story was agreed upon beforehand. Like you said, you know, Mingus kind of had the story. They, uh, um, Shepard had a different idea of an ending, but he improvised it while he was telling it over the music. And I also, have you ever seen A Christmas Story, the movie? Well, that's the funny thing. I thought, I know this voice. Yeah. And, um, but this is like 25 years before that or something. Right, right. But like, not just the fact that he narrated the Christmas story, but it's like, it's his life that was, you know, he was, he was talking about, which is such a different <laughs> type of artistic experience to, to this. And I guess, you know, yeah, yeah. people can be very versatile and have lots of uh, different, different stuff in them, but crazy to me. Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here, but we'll be right back. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For such a drawn out piece from start to finish, it actually it goes by, it flows really well. Hmm. I don't know how long it is. It doesn't matter. But no matter, I guess I was trying to keep my record to about 30 minutes and I was very conscious of the flow and kind of being aware of, you know, I don't want to take up too much time. Whoever's listening, I don't want to take up too much of their time. Hmm. But, um, you know, that you know, Mingus and I mean, there's so many other records that, that are important that like made me want to you know, keep playing guitar when I was 20 and or whatever. But uh, yeah, I wanted to make something that was digestible and, and something that you, you know, you could finish it in no time. And I guess that's, that's without really knowing off the top of my head how long the clown is. Yeah, I just kept going back and circling back into it from the top. And um, I know not, that's not how everyone listens to music, but um, it's, you know, I made my record as, as if I was the listener. That's how I would kind of. On the top to bottom, or <laughs> yeah, 
Um, well, you can consider me your own personal Siri because I have the answer for you. It is 12 minutes and 29 seconds long. And Haitian Fight Song is 12 minutes long. And the album is 40 minutes long. So those two songs are more than half of the album. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the other songs are kind of like just, they're just segueing into each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's these two giant kind of tentpole pieces that really... And I mean, I, those are the things that this album is known for, really. Yeah. I was at the track order last night. As I get older, I look less and less at track order, which is a bit shit. But um, <laughs> there's two more songs after the narrated piece, The Clown. And I don't know if I always knew that because hmm. I just put it and sit back or at work, stand up. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was always just kind of one thing anyway. So that's, hmm. yeah. I don't think I ever knew Haitian Fight Song was 12 interesting <laughs> yeah and I, I mean i i think it's also just because there's so many little chunks of it and it moves through so many different things and there's kind of pauses in it that it feels like maybe it's moving on to different songs but it's all this one giant piece with all these movements in it yeah but also this being one tiny tiny fraction of the output um mingus's output through his life you know he recorded like over 100 albums yeah, that's the other annoying thing about him. It's, <laughs> it's just kind of another, all right, turn that one in next. Mm, right. <laughs> I mean, they all do their own thing amazingly well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, also having this album that has all of these very specific ideas about race and colonialism and, uh, you know, the expectations of performers and, and whatever that you can, you know, with... Uh, especially with Haitian fight song, because there's no dialogue or lyrics, it's easier for you to kind of either, in, as I said before, like interpret those things through the lens, of, you know, finding out what he's trying to say and um, engaging with it that way, or just kind of letting it wash over you as a piece of music that you don't really need to do research about the true intended meaning. And then with something like The Clown, I think it is a little bit more explicit and I don't know how much of the rest of the stuff he did over his career has that kind of narration or... I don't... There is one. I'd like to know if there is. Yeah. But I, I don't... I want to say there isn't. I got really into... I don't know if maybe drinking too much at the time, but <laughs> I was... I was like... I was looking up posters of clowns that I was like, what am I <laughs> doing? I was so like, I had my head really in there. Yeah, single in LA. <laughs> yeah, the I mean the album cover. I can't remember what the uh, the phobia is called when people are scared of clowns. But if you have that phobia, I would not recommend this album cover. It is uh, like a very kind of sad. I don't think it's a scary clown, but it's just really grim. Even the. Artwork is, I feel like, ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Between like the font choice, up close, like it doesn't look like fifties. It's very kind of timeless. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. People don't say that enough. Good job, Mingus. Uh, also, it's you know perfect fodder for merch. Like there's all, still all over the place T-shirts and posters and whatever with that image on it. And you know, I think anything that can draw people in and make them feel like an album that's you know decades and decades old is something that speaks to them in a contemporary landscape is great but um it's also very representative of what you're getting from the album um so like you said it's a pretty big feat to have something that feels that relevant so 
so many years after it was produced. I haven't heard a lot of people, people have to know it and love it. I just, it doesn't come up. It's an interesting one. I didn't even, I didn't come across that, that music until I was probably mm, 25 or 26. I mean, from, from, I don't know, age 10 to mid twenties. I mean, I, I think as a kid, like Winston Marsalis and kind of like current stuff, stuff that I could go see, that was a bit of my, my gateway or my portal into watching jazz. And I like, I never really had aspirations to play. I just love sitting back and, you know, getting blown away and you know, watching. So I got to see Brian Blade at the Village Vanguard mm. uh, a few years ago. Like another guy that like to just see him in person is mind-blowing you know all these amazing records that we talk about a lot of the guys aren't around anymore and haven't been for decades so it, it while i you know while i don't attempt to play the music it has a there's qualities about jazz that influence the way i kind of it still works its way into what i'm doing in terms of like the size of the drums that we're playing or the tuning of the drums and you know a lot of early rock and roll bands like Jimi hendrix experience you know mitch mitchell's drums are bigger than a jazz kit you know your 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 standard jazz sizes but they're tuned really high so you know all of these kind of like you know sometimes drum fills define can help define time and you know mitch mitchell's playing for instance he's just kind of dances all over the kit but his toms are tuned so so much higher than you know i don't know someone else you know maybe like jim gordon on a harry nelson record you know low and thuddy all those guys were influenced by jazz drummers and John Bonham, huge drums tuned up higher though. There weren't like great rock and roll drummers before those guys. So you know, jazz, jazz is the influence there, but it works its way into my stuff between like symbol choices and trying to kind of copy sounds from records that I grew up with. I don't know. I can't seem to get away from that. Mm. I can go on and on. Yeah. It, but I, I also, you know, I think that improvisational spirit uh especially with mingus's stuff but with jazz generally and ex- experimentation that was definitely coming up through people like mingus who were moving from a kind of uh not pop here but like bebop uh you know the duke ellington school of jazz into something that was more experimental into something that was a bit more abstract and when you talk about places like village vanguard um these like legendary clubs where people were working things out as they went along. Like I was reading stuff about Mingus doing shows where he'd be playing and improvising with people and he'd just stop and talk to people and say, you should be doing this, you should be doing this and just turn to the audience and say, you're, you're seeing history in the making. I know we're pausing, I know we're doing stuff, but this is part of it. We're, this is part of the process. You should you know, feel, feel good about seeing this. And all of that stuff bleeding into helping people to understand what the right drum tunings were, what the, you know, how the instruments should fit together, um, all of these things. And that foundation moving into, like you said, rock and pop and all of this other stuff that's like the foundation of American music, of popular music, of everything else that we listen to. And it's mind-blowing that it's, um, you know, think, thinking about those foundations and thinking about how the, the evolution um, and being able to actually see the through line from those small clubs and uh, into uh, these huge stadiums and arenas now. And the other, I mean, the thing I fixate on sometimes is like, I grew up and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it was more of a thing in the 80s and onward, but like the academic side of music, people that would go 
to music school and do that whole thing. Like none of these guys on, you know, especially in 57 or any time around that point, were going to music school. People talk about like, why do people call Jimi Hendrix the greatest guitar player of all time? Because nobody played like that before him. And the same goes for these guys. Yeah. So like, where did they get it from? I don't know. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Yeah. And it, you know, a lot of it is just this innate talent, this, you know, the, the gold dust that is really just artistry. You know, it, it is this magical thing that, um, some people just have it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. not a very scientific explanation, but, uh, that's the best they can do. And some people don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just one big mystery to me. So I, I, I love it just for that anyway. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that is a lovely note to finish on. Thank you so much for making time for me. This has been a, a, a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, you too. All right. Take care. Take care. Thanks again to Mitch for chatting with me. Check out his debut album come June as soon as you finish listening to this, which will be very soon because there's no spark from me in this episode because I already gave you one this week, didn't I? So that's about it. Please follow me on social media at Spark Parade. Please rate the show five stars and leave me a wonderful review wherever you can. And until next time, bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.